Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Friends, open your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 10. And as you do that, I want to greet some others. We want to greet you worshiping with us in church online. We want to greet you in the Fellowship Hall as you're gathering. Hello, Fellowship Hall. Hello. I think we heard you. And uh, those who gather uh, at the inn, uh, the inn at Garden Plaza, also worshiping with us this morning at this time. So friends, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10 as we hear from the word of the Lord, verses 1 through 12. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come near. I tell you what will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Lord, we're grateful for your word, and we pray that you would open our hearts so to receive it, Lord, that we would know your life and your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, every time I read verse eight, I'm reminded of a story. Verse eight, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. On our first mission trip to Kenya, Abigail and I were part of a Kenyan house blessing. This was a huge affair, including three or four roast goats. And the whole neighborhood, the whole church was invited out, and we walked through the house singing and praying in every room. It was fantastic, wonderful affair. Dinner was in the basement of the house, and it was kind of smoky and crowded and dark, and you couldn't quite tell everything that was going on. And as we had trained our missionaries from this verse, we taught them it's important to eat what you're given, right? And and no matter what. And I, as the leader of the team, was going to lead the way here. No doubt about it. I noticed the, the mama, which is the wife of the household, moving through the room with a plate that had meat on it and she was handing this, this plate to the VIPs in the room, one by one. So I leaned over to my friend and I said, what's on the plate? 
because I could see this coming. And, and he said, oh, he said, it's a great honor. Those are the specialty meats of the goats. Oh, the specialty meats. The brains, the kidneys, the heart, different glands, parts of the goat that only the boy goats have. (laughs) And I did not want that honor. But sure enough, the plate came around to me and, and the mama was in front of me with the plate with a great smile and I had to do it. So I reached forward and grabbed the first thing my fingers touched, crammed it in my mouth with everybody in the room, all eyes on me. What an honor. (laughs) I have no idea what it was that I ate. And so to this day, still, if someone asks me, have you ever eaten goat, you know, whatever? I say, probably. When you enter a town and are welcomed, (laughs) be prepared to receive. Jesus sends out 72 to share the message to distribute the blessings of God in his name. He says, go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. (laughs) Nice, right? Go. And, And when you go, when you enter a town with my message on your lips, first, first, You listen. You had better have ears to hear. Be prepared to receive before you stand to deliver. Well, what's going on here? Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There's so much to learn from this, but let's just learn four things right off the bat from this moment. Jesus says, and this is point number one, go share in my ministry. Jesus shares his ministry. These are not follow-up personnel. These are not those who come behind the work of Jesus. These are not support workers. These are ground-breaking, point of the spear, innovating, out there on the edge, forward operating forces. You see? He says, go ahead of me. Go ahead of me, Jesus says. So mark it down. Every Christian is a seed bearer. Every believer is a missionary. Say that last part with me. Every believer is a missionary. The work of proclaiming the gospel does not belong to one or two professionals, but to every single believer. If if it's not just Jesus doing it, if it's not just his disciples doing it, if it's in every man, every woman, every child task at that time, then while Jesus was incarnate on the flesh, then what about now? What about today? Should we leave it to the pastor to tell our city about Jesus? You'd better not. I already told you before, I don't even have any friends who aren't Presbyterians. (laughs) So we're sunk. 
This is an every believer task. This is every hand, all hands. If you have been saved, you are a messenger of salvation. Amen. Why? Why? Because this is a non-Christian world. That's the second point. Go into the non-Christian world. Go, Jesus says. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Ooh, how we would love to turn that over, wouldn't we? Lord, send me out to win. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Friends, we need every believer engaged because we are entering a land of hostile forces. These missionaries were headed out into a world ready to resist, and so are we. We are no longer in a Christian society. Have you noticed? The church is no longer in a Christendom context. That's my best Jim Singleton. <laughs> wow. My next line was, I can't do Jim Singleton. I, but, I, but I know you heard him say that, didn't you? We're no longer in a Christendom context, friends. This, this is not a Christian society. It was rooted in Christianity, but that's different. That's not where we are now, and we have to recognize that. Jesus knows he is sending his followers into hostile lands where they will meet resistance. So he teaches them, this is the third point, he teaches them go listening. Verses five and six, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, then your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Well, what is Jesus teaching them here? Do you notice they got very little training for this exercise? No classes, no, no seminaries, no conferences. Head on out, just go. But Jesus does teach them this. He says, you go and, and you greet. You greet them, no more, and then listen. Then evaluate. See what the situation is. See how it is with their hearts. See if your, your blessing returns. See if there's a, a softness there, a readiness for the kingdom. Listen first. Enter the town with ears to hear before you introduce the good news of Jesus. And then finally, the fourth point, quickly. Jesus says, go blessing. Jesus sends them out to bless. Again, verse five and then verse nine. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. This is not an empty statement, far from it. First words off your lips. May the peace, this is an invocation, you see. May the peace and order and blessing of the Lord God Almighty move toward you and rest over your home and your family and who you are. Go blessing 
Go with blessing. First, speak peace. And then verse nine, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Again, this is a huge statement. Healing, wellness, salvation, well-being, the kingdom of God. Go with blessing. First, speak peace. Why does the world cringe to see a Christian coming? Why why do we feel shy about going and bringing Jesus into a conversation or offering the kingdom of God? Why does it seem that the gospel we bear isn't received as good news? Well, I mean, the gospel is not always received well because it contains a great challenge. It tells us that we are sinners unfit for a relationship with God. It confronts our lifestyles, our beliefs, our lives lived up to now, and it brings it all into judgment before God. But it also immediately declares the good news that though we fall short because of our sins, that Christ has paid for these sins on the cross, and we need only trust in his saving power. But people hear only the judgment from us. That's what I think. I think they don't get past the first part because they don't believe we Christians have their well-being at heart. If first we listened, if first we, we went with blessing, maybe then they would walk with us through the challenge of the truth of God, the conviction of the truth of God. They would walk with us through that and into the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Go listening, go with blessing. So, so there we have it, that's it. We're done. Go share my ministry, go into the non-Christian world, go listening, go blessing, got it? Now you can go do the rest of your uh, back to school shopping this afternoon. No, uh, we'd better spend a little more time applying this situation to today. Yes, we are in a non-Christian world. Jesus is sending us into a non-Christian world. Professor Scott Sunquist of Fuller Seminary illustrates this in a recent book by pointing out that in 1900, in New York City, at Carnegie Hall, the nation's leaders gathered for something called the Ecumenical Conference on Foreign Missions. And when I say the nation's leaders, the speakers included Teddy Roosevelt, Benjamin Harrison, and sitting president, William McKinley. The president of Columbia University spoke at this event and he said this, what can Christians do better in such a time as this than to bear their unshaken testimony to their belief that there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ? 1900. Now, can you imagine the president of any Ivy League school today saying those words? Can you imagine a president of the United States at a conference devoted to converting others to Jesus Christ? We've changed a lot in 100 years. 
So Scott Sunquist, uh, he wrote this in a study about a man named Leslie Newbegin, and I want to tell you a little bit about this man. Newbegin was a Scot who spent his career as a missionary to India, but his real influence for us happened after he retired <laughs> from missionary work, and he returned to his homeland in 1974. See, upon returning, he realized that his own homeland had given up Christianity. After a life lived, a career of mission work in India, he returned home to realize his homeland was hostile to Jesus Christ, more hostile than the native Indians that he had been ministering to all those years. Newbegin realized immediately that he was not done. Christ had called him to use all that he had learned on the mission field to help his homeland. He was an effective missionary in India. Why? Because he listened and he studied the people that he was trying to reach. And so he brought that home. Sunquist writes, he was the same missionary when he returned to England, only then he had to learn another new culture. He had to study the declining Christian culture a culture which had lost its meaning and its nerve. But he also had to study the broader intellectual culture, a culture that no longer seemed to have a place for Christian truth. It's actually the books Newbegin the Hometown Missionary wrote that bless us the most effectively today. Quick story, when Newbegin uh, returned and he was in a church council meeting, a larger church council meeting, kind of like we would call our presbytery meeting, he was sitting there and he realized that everyone was talking about shutting down a church. Why? Because the demographics in the neighborhood had changed. And so they were talking about, uh, the leaders there said, well, it's, it's South Asian there now, the whole area, and we can't reach those people, so we'll sell the property and, and take the money, apply it elsewhere. Leslie Newbegin, at age 70, was surprised to find himself standing up and saying, I'll take that church. I'll take it. And he moved into that church, and he co-pastored the church with a South Asian pastor named Hakim Singh Rahi. And it thrived. You see? See, the church was not finished because its world changed. The church was perfectly seated and situated in a mission field. And Newbegin recognized that at 70 years old. Do you get that, by the way? You ever heard, if you're not dead, you're not done? Man. How about us? Has our world changed around us? Yes. The world we now live in 
And we can cry later about it. Or we can argue about it. We can have political discussions about it as much as you like. Do all that as much as you like. But recognize the truth. The world we now live in is hostile to Jesus. And that's the need. That's the need that's there. And too many pastors and leaders and elders have failed to make the transition from running church as a chapel to Christendom, an adjunct to a predominantly Christian culture, to running a church as a missionary outpost in a foreign and hostile land. Some leaders don't even know how to stop just blessing the culture and whatever's happening out there and start telling people about Jesus. They don't even know how to do it. They've never been trained to be missionaries. That's the need. We must rise up again as a missionary church, a rescue society, an outpost for the kingdom of Jesus Christ in a hostile world. We are not standing on Christian soil. That's the need. So what's the solution? Jesus sends you. Can you see yourself as a, as a missionary to Colorado Springs? What if you were, what if you were a mission, what if you had just moved here, you've come from India or Korea or Kenya, and you say, I'm moving here, I'm a missionary to Colorado Springs. What would your life be like? What decisions would you make differently about your time to use it most effectively? What relationships would you pursue? Would you find a job that pays the most or one that allows you to engage in meaningful conversations? Would you buy a house that isolates you as much as possible from others or one that allows you to rub shoulders with others as much as possible? Would you shop at a different store every time you go out to buy something or would you try to go to the same store and try to build relationships with the same people in the hopes of some interaction and meaningful engagement. Go listening and studying your culture. Go into the town, into the town with open ears. Friends, Jesus sends you out. Go on mission. Go into hostile territory. Go listening. Go blessing. Jesus sends you out today. Two by two, by the way. (laughs) It's no good going alone. (laughs) Believe me. Jesus sends you out. Go on now, he says. I send you. You may feel like a sheep in the midst of a pack of wolves. You may feel like the most hated and despised and rejected person in the room sometimes. You may feel like the most vulnerable person in the room sometimes, but every now and then you will speak the peace of God in Jesus Christ and watch salvation unfold. Go then. Enter the town. Seek the well-being of the people. Seek the peace. Pastor, you say, uh, I didn't sign up for this. I never wanted to be a missionary. If I wanted to be a missionary, I would have been a missionary. Well, I'm sorry. That's tough luck for you. (laughs) 
If you are saved, you are an emissary of salvation. If you are a believer, you are a missionary for Jesus Christ. From this day forward, you are commissioned. How many years do you have left? Is it, is it 80 years? Is it 40 years? 2010? Let's make today a marker. From today forward, you are an emissary of salvation on the foreign soil on which you find yourself. From today forward, you are a missionary. I commission you. You're a missionary to Colorado Springs or to wherever else the Lord puts you, and this is no small business. You're on mission for Jesus. This is not a hobby. This is not an afterthought or a passing interest. This is life or death. Jesus says later on in the chapter, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. There's great glories on the other side of saying yes to Jesus, but friends, to say no and to reject the Lord. (laughs) Make no mistake, heaven and hell are in the balance. Eternal life, eternal death, They hang in the balance for your friend, for your coworker, for your child. Go now, go now. Lord Jesus, would you grant us courage to follow your call, to recognize the reality of where we are and what we're doing for you, Jesus, that there is an urgency, that there is a time, Lord, that we have and it is quickly fleeing from us. A time that we have to share the good news of the gospel, a time that we have to bless others and convince them that our whole hearts are for them. (laughs) We are for their blessing. We are for their eternal life in you. And Lord, to share the good news, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So commission us by the power of the Holy Spirit to go into the town In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.